finally in week, chapter two rather, in week eight, it took us this long to get to this passage for today. And as you can see on the screen behind me, faith finds a way to forgiveness and healing. So King Jesus has made quite an impression as he began his ministry in Galilee. Many are excited about what he's doing. Casting out demons, healing the sick, curing the leper, all episodes that we looked at already. And Jesus' fame is beginning to spread like wildfire. But just as his fame spreads, the opposition spreads as well. Those ones that are just as, just as well to put out the fire, hose down the fire that Jesus has created in the Spirit of God. They are wet blankets just waiting to stop the move of God in that time and place. So Jesus, throughout the passage so far, I know that we're only in chapter 2, he doesn't try to be seen. He doesn't want people to notice him as he moves from the wilderness to the towns, to the villages, back to the wilderness, and then to the towns and to the villages, and so on. He told the leper not to tell anyone, but the leper told everyone. Mm. What a message on gossip that would be. Yeah. His popularity spreads because of the disobedience of the leper. But in contrast to today's church, where we think about how much money we should spend and where to put that money and what we should do with that money, Jesus' popularity spread by word of mouth and travel by foot. Word of mouth and travel by foot. And in most places of the world, that still works. Amen. That still works. So Jesus didn't need no newsprint, he didn't need no TV, he didn't need no social media, no Facebook, no YouTube, no Instagram, and no Twitter. That's right. Or TikTok. That's right. To gain popularity. He needed people that believed in his message and people that absorbed the message within their spirit and were willing to travel by foot, if need be, to the next door neighbor and tell them that Jesus is alive. Amen. And he's well. Amen. And he's the Son of God. So in our passage today, Jesus is back in Capernaum, his hometown for his ministry. He's moved away from Nazareth at the infancy narratives that are not in Mark's Gospels at all. And most people believe that this could even be Jesus' home where this episode takes place. But the people are still looking for Jesus Christ, superstar, and not Jesus the Messiah. Why, how quick they forget. The people heard that Jesus is back in town in a standing room only at Jesus' house or whoever house that might be. The crowds and relentless fans are there pressing around the door as if Jesus was a movie star or a sports hero in our day. And the paparazzi are all around there. They got their stone tablets out, no iPads, <laughs> and they're etching or sculpting the stone to get the message of Jesus there or maybe drawing some frescoes on the side of the buildings in Capernaum. The house is overcrowded. And he invites all type of people to this house. That's right. Jan Backwood, gang members, tax collectors, sinners, terrorists like Simon the Zealot, maybe, religious leaders as well. They're all there crammed out into the house of Jesus in Capernaum. And his teaching has its listeners sitting on the edge. And he's still preaching the same message. What's the message of Jesus? Forgiveness? No. What's the message of Jesus? Love? No. The message of Jesus the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe, leave, and follow. Amen. The other ones are 
are good things and they're part of it, but they're not the main thing. This is the main thing. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Memorize it. That is the theme of Jesus' message about what took place in history. And the crowd is still trying to figure out where does Jesus get his confidence from? Where does he get his authority from? Where does he get his ability to heal and cast out demons? Some people in the house are not pleased with Jesus' teaching. I wonder which ones those are. The scribes, the Pharisees. They're there, but for what reason are they there? See, when we read the gospel, we try to say that I am a little bit like Jesus. I haven't heard anyone say that I'm really a lot like the Pharisees. But maybe that's a good question to ask yourself. Are you really truly like Jesus, or are you more like the Pharisees? Trying to stop what God is doing instead of getting on board and become part of that spark that gets the fire going. Once upon a time in history, the Beatles sang a song. We get by with a little help with our from our friends. How many remember that? Okay, you guys just trying to be too super spiritual. I think you're more like Pharisees this morning. <laughs> you know, I get by with a little help from my friends. I'm going to try with a little help with my friends. And the next line, we won't go there. We need our friends. That's what's happening in our passage today. These people are getting by with a little help with uh, their friends. There's four men. And they're carrying a paralytic man yeah. that's on a mat. And each one grabs his corner of the pole. And they're going to bring this person to Jesus. Hello? We get by with a little help from our friends. If we're truly friends. Right. Not just in talk, but in action. We grab our corner of the poles and we take up that person that cannot walk and we bring him into the presence of Jesus. Amen. Hello? These guys heard that Jesus Christ is back in town and they're going to do their utmost to get that person to Jesus. That's right. What does it take for us to do what we can do to get the people we love to Jesus or the people that we hate to Jesus so that we can love them too as Jesus loves them? Hello? These four buddies of this man that has been lying on his back for a long time, we don't know if it's been since birth because it's not in the passage, but we assume that he used to walk vertical at one point in his life, but he's been horizontal for a while. And in Jesus' day, there was no medical help, there was no miracle drug, there was no surgery available. All this person had was hope. That the one who came and announced the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, believe, leave, and follow me, is doing extraordinary things. And they want to get their buddy to him. Wouldn't you? If that was the last straw in your package of straw, wouldn't you want to go to Jesus so that he may take care of the people of your family that are sick or ill or the people of your community? See, the only thing they did in those days, and we kind of do the same thing, is we try to give each other sympathy. Sympathy. The only prescription that the community could dispense at that time. But I don't know about you, but too much sympathy is just, uh, it's like playing a record a thousand times over and over and it begins to skip. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for you. I mean, they're good things to say, but after a while, it gets mundane, especially if you're the one receiving that sympathy or that exaggeration of sympathy. This person wanted more than sympathy. Right. He's sick and tired of lying on that mat. This person, he wants his life back, don't you? Right. Don't you? Right. I did. I'm glad I met Jesus. 
sympathy. That's right. I need someone that has the power to raise me from my horizontal position so that I can walk vertically again in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Jesus is the only hope for this guy. Not only in that world 2,000 years ago, but oh, the only hope for us today as well. So they arrive at Jesus' place in Capernaum. There's a barrier, the crowd that we already <coughs> mentioned. They're inside and outside. And while they're singing the Beatles song, the four men, the four buddies, and the paralytic men, we get by with a little help from our friends. The Pharisees inside and the crowd inside, they're singing another Beatles song. They say, boy, you've got to carry that weight, carry that weight a long time. No Beatle fans here. Well, maybe you should brush up on the Beatles. And you might learn something about Jesus, too, in the meantime. Carry that weight a long time. That's what the world says. You're never going to be free. You're never going to be set free. The chains are never going to be broken. Oh, it might be just a quick moment to hide with Jesus for now. But you'll be back to your old ways. Isn't that what your old friends told you? Right. Some of them told me that. That's right. Some of them told me, here I am, 35 plus years. I'm still serving Jesus. It doesn't matter. If you got me a rocking chair, you can't keep me in it. <laughs> But I am grateful for it. <laughs> These friends don't give up. And in Jesus' day, they had no protocol or plan that you help the physical disabled, that you make room for them when they come up here. Like we got the elevators and ramps, and we got we got the ways to do it in our generation. But these guys, they rather just avoid the disabled. So that's what these guys are facing. But they're determined. And they're aware that to get close to Jesus is a challenge. Hello? It requires effort. Hello? That's right. You can't do it from church on a sofa or church on a pew. You got to get on your feet and move. And that's what this paralytic is longing to do, to get vertical and move. So they call a huddle. Say, how in the heck are we going to get through that crowd? They're full inside. They're full outside. And they call a huddle, right? Okay, all you guys, football's this afternoon, so don't go there yet. <laughs> they call a huddle, and they begin to talk, and they say, uh-huh. See, the houses in Capernaum and in Galilee area, at that time, had stairs that went up the side of the house. And when they went up to the side of the house, there was usually a flat roof made out of mud and thatch and mix and sticks and whatever they could. And it was usually flat. We read about Peter falling asleep on a flat roof in Joppa, right? In the book of Acts. So they said, let's take that, our, our buddy up the stairs, and when we get to the top, we'll make a hole in the roof. You see, these people were go through or go home people. That's right. Which one are you? Are you willing to go through to get your buddy to Jesus? Or you say, forget it, it's too difficult, I'm going home. When we come to church on Sunday morning, the first day of the week, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Do we come to go through and into the glory of God's face and praise Him and worship Him? Or we just come and say, I wish I could go home now. Maybe some of you are thinking that right now. Wish you go home. So did you come to go through or did you come to go home? This is where we get the same English you went through the roof. <laughs> through the roof. So, Jesus is teaching. And then while Jesus is teaching, these guys are cutting a hole in the roof. 
They're not fixing a hole in the roof. That's another Beatles song, by the way. They are cutting a hole in the roof. And debris is starting to fall upon all the crowded standing room people inside Jesus' Capernaum home. So imagine that muck and that clay and that sticks and maybe some bird poop as well. <laughs> if you read the Bible, there's a lot of places that talk about dunk and poo, so don't think I'm being a little bit uh, immoral here, okay? And it begins to go there, and then, then, you know, they're cutting that hole in the roof because these guys are go-through people, not go-home people. That's right. They're like Moses. I'm not leaving until I have your blessing. Or like Jacob wrestling with the angel. Amen. They want to go through and see the face of God. Don't you? Don't you long for that? Amen. So they finally make a hole in the roof, and I bet you everybody's dusting off all that stuff that's falling out from the roof, whatever that is. And then Jesus stares them in the eyes. Hmm. What's he going to say to these guys? What would you say if Kenny Ashley came with a chainsaw and put a hole in your roof this afternoon? <laughs> huh? Or Horace out of retirement, we'll give him a chainsaw too and he can climb the roof and put a hole there. What would you say to people that just put a hole in your roof and now the rain started to come and it's going to get wet and soggy? Jesus is cool and collected. Mm. He's calm. Not what I would be to tell you the truth. But <laughs> Jesus is cool and calm. Jesus doesn't scold them, doesn't get mad at them. And Mark says he saw their faith. He saw their faith. He didn't pay attention to the debris falling or to the noise of making a hole in the roof or the thought of cleanup and repairs and how much it's going to cost to fix the hole in the roof. That's where our minds go, does it not? Tell the right. truth. That's right. Yeah. Jesus said he saw their faith. Mm. And it got Jesus' attention. It grabbed Jesus by the heart. See, these actions of these four buddies that bring their paralytic man to Jesus, we can call them para, to make it short, somehow is an example of faith and confidence in the person of Jesus. They want to do whatever they can do to get their buddy to Jesus. Weatherington, in his commentary on the Gospel of Mark, describes the demonstration of their faith. He says, they dare to do the difficult, the dangerous, the controversial, in order to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. What are you willing to do with whatever you got to bring your friends and your community and your family members to Jesus? You know, do we have that kind of determination to bring troubled people into the presence of Jesus? You know, the doctor said there's no hope for this person. The mental health professional says there's no hope for that person, and so on and so on. Have we ever said, we're going to bring this person to Jesus? We're going to break through until we, we're going to break through instead of go home. How many of you remember 24-hour prayer meetings or all-night prayer meetings? And, and you can see by... By, the, by 7 o'clock the next day, how many stayed to go through or go home? That's right. And I'll leave it at that. But how does anyone see faith? Did you ever think of that when you read the passage? How do you see faith? Action. Well, don't jump to that yet. <laughs> it doesn't mean belief in an apostle's creed, or that's good. It's good to believe a set of ideas. When we see faith in the Bible, it always talks about commitment, mm -hmm. loyalty, Obedience. trust, allegiance. Right. 
commitment, loyalty, trust, allegiance. And as Pastor Betty let the rabbit out of the bag, it's about actions. You see faith by actions. So James was right after all. Works, faith without works is dead. That's right. Right? And Apostle Paul would agree with James on this. And even when you read the great chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about things unseen and things hoped for, and then they begin to list all those men of faith and Abraham and Noah and so on and Gideon and Rahab and Ruth and so on, they all had actions that showed their trust, their loyalty, their allegiance, and their faith in God Almighty. So somehow that guy, they got up they got the guy in the roof, they removed the roof, and then they, they began to lower that person into the crowd. They believed that Jesus could heal their friend. See, real faith breaks on through to the other side. That's right. Real faith breaks on through to God. That's not a Beatles song, that's a door song. It breaks on through to the other side. They just tore up somebody's property, interrupted somebody while he was preaching, Inconvenience. Everyone inside the house and outside, we're worried about a child speaking out loud in a church service. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. So how does Jesus respond? He welcomes their interruption to the shock of everyone else. And he looks at them and he rewards them for their faith. Mm. So the paralytic, okay, let's get back to the paralytic. He's lowered down into the crowded house. The four buddies, you see that picture behind me. The buddies are still up on the roof. Guy is being lowered into the midst of the crowd where the presence of Jesus is. And then Jesus sees their faith and he looks down at the paralytic man. And the paralytic man is just demoralized. He's got a, a crippled soul, he's got a crippled being. <laughs> he, he's just at, at the ends of his life. He doesn't know how he's going to be restored. And then Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Let's go back to the four buddies now. They brought their buddy to get vertical instead of remain horizontal. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven? They didn't come for absolution of sins. They came for a restored buddy up on his feet walking. And Jesus, who asked for forgiveness of sins anyway? Nobody. Nobody asked for forgiveness. Remember what we always been teaching for the last six years? It's not repenting, you will be forgiven. It's you are forgiven, therefore you can repent. Jesus right. pronounces the forgiveness before the healing. But they got the buddies upstairs and they're probably all scratching their heads. What's going on here? They wanted to break through instead of go home. They wanted just from touch from one, just one touch from Jesus changes everything, as Pastor Betty said last week. But Jesus instead said, son, that's a very intimate word, is it not? Or child, in some of your translations. They both mean the same thing. Jesus is breaking the social barriers between what society thought of themselves and what they thought of the disabled. Thank God that we've moved a long way from that type of thinking. And it's only because of the rise of Christianity and Judaism that this has become a reality in our world society. That's right. There's no healing yet. And now it shifts to the religious wet blankets. <laughs> who are getting red in the collar. Who's this guy that he can forgive sins? Who does he think he is? God? Well, I think he doesn't think he's God. He knows he's God. Right. But nobody else does. Remember, we're reading it. 
as people from this side of history. But nobody in that room knows what's going on. The four friends came for healing. They wanted to see their son or their friend vertical and healed and moving. And Jesus forgives them of their sins. What's going on here? What's going on? Well, first of all, it tells us that forgiveness of sin has nothing to do if you're healthy or ill. That's right. God forgives you. That's right. Whatever state you put in. That's right. There's nothing of our physical condition or our mental health that can stop Jesus from loving you and forgiving you. Amen. Even if you don't understand it, Jesus forgave you in the life of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel truth. Now, the religious crowd turns on Jesus and everyone else forgets about the paralytic man who's still waiting for his miracle. <laughs> still waiting for his miracle. And Jesus' authority to forgive sin has got him in a whole bunch of trouble with the Pharisees because Jesus is not a priest. Not in the traditional standards. He's not a son of Levi. I know that Hebrews said that he's our high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is, goes back to the Abraham time, but he's not a Levitical priest. But Jesus is being charged with blasphemy, which he will be again in chapter 15 around there before he is in his trial, before he goes to the cross to die on our behalf. But in Leviticus 24, verse 16, we read these words. Anyone who uses the name of the Lord blasphemously is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. They're accusing Jesus of this, but nobody picks up a stone yet. Yeah. Nobody picks up a stone. I wonder why. I wonder why. And this is the first time that we see confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes in the gospel. It's also the first time that we see Jesus saying, you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And he's doing it on behalf of God. Because even when the priest forgave, he wasn't him forgiving the people. It was him declaring the forgiveness of God for the people. We are intermediaries, right? We're, we're the bridges. We are not the ones who forgive. God is the only one who can forgive. Hello? And we get into this dialogue of sin and sickness. And are they connected? And we know from the Gospel of John and the blind man that Jesus does not necessarily connect the two, sin and and sickness, but it can be. Because Jesus says, this man, not every man, okay? He says, this man. Jesus never endorsed the idea that all sickness is connected to personal sin, but it can be. We know the, the mind can affect the weariness of the body, or the weariness of the body can affect the weariness of the mind and how we function in life, and, and the grudges that we hold towards others can affect the way that our body responds to that interior soul warfare that goes on within us. So there is sometimes a connection between sick, sin and sickness. And yes, bearing a grudge and not, not forgiving the one that has offended you is a sin. Because right. as freely as you have received forgiveness, you should forgive the other. And boy, that put lightness in your step. That put lightness in your step. Body and soul are one integrated whole whose parts constantly affect each other. Hello? For Jesus to announce the forgiveness of sins, we conclude that to forgive sin is to remove the consequence. Paralysis. Health and holiness are part of this passage. That's right. It's no use trying to spend all day what this person's sin was. Jesus didn't announce it, and neither should we go looking for it. That's right. The best thing is that he forgives you. Amen. He forgives you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done in life. He forgives you. Amen. No Jesus prayer here. 
Jesus forgives him. No, singing the same song for the thousandth time, Jesus forgives him. Hello? Rabbi Zach has some definitions of forgiveness, I think, that would help us. He says that forgiveness is the only way to live with the past without being held prisoner by the past. Hello? Yeah. It's the only way to live with the past without being held prisoner by the past. You know how many people that we talk that are, say that they're a child of God or a son of God, a daughter of God, and they struggle with the past because they haven't understood that forgiveness is the only way you can live without the past without being a prisoner of the past. Or we like to sing that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm no longer a slave to sin as well. I'm a Amen. child of God. Well, I know what I did in the past, but I know that Jesus has forgiven me of the stranglehold and the chain of the past that I can live in the light of his freedom and glory. Amen? Amen. One of the things about the human soul and the human being is, is that it's painful to die unconnected. It's painful to die unconnected from God. It's painful to die unconnected from your friends and your relatives. We've done a funeral, and not too many, but a few of them that hardly anybody shows up. And one of them was Pastor Benny's mother, ourselves, and the funeral director. It, 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 it was, it was painful for us to do that, to know that a person stepped from this world into eternity and there was no one, there was no connection, there was no family, there was absolutely no one there for them. And that's what happens when we live an un unforgiven life instead of the forgiven life of Jesus Christ. It's painful and hurtful to die unconnected. And that's why Jesus died for us so that we may be connected above all to God and secondly amongst each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. In this time of COVID, to be alone, to be without your family, to be disconnected from them, and there's nothing you can do. It's painful. Right. It's painful. We need to understand that. Before we start a big war, should I wear a mask or shouldn't I wear a mask? Well, who gives a rip about a mask when people are dying unconnected to God? Hello? Hello, you're very quiet here. Very quiet. Every act of forgiveness mends something broken in the fractured world. Hello? Every time we forgive each other for the whatever we do to each other, I'll just stay within my own boundaries between myself and my wife. Every time we forgive each other, we bring healing to a fractured relationship. That's right. And we bring mending to that. And then we invite God to bring wholeness to that. But when you don't forgive your spouse and you live in that state of unforgiveness, you will die unconnected, and that'll be a shame. That'll be a shame. <clears throat> so the Pharisees are fuming about Jesus' declaration of forgiveness. And Jesus says, why are you thinking these things? Isn't that amazing that Jesus knows what they're thinking? <laughs> That's right. That Jesus knows what people are thinking while he's pronouncing forgiveness? Now, back to the parallel. He still isn't healed yet! You still see all these detours and these places you had to go to you get to the healing of the story. He hasn't healed it. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows what people are thinking in the audience. He knows what you're thinking right now. That's right. You are, your stomach might be rumbling and rolling and we really can't wait to get to lunch. But Jesus knows what we're thinking. 
And he tells the people that he knows. And then he says these words. After he says, your sins are forgiven, he says, get up. What, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. Right? Then he introduces another shift in the place. He says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Well, maybe you don't get it, but this is referring to Daniel chapter 7 about the Messiah that is to come. Remember, this is not Jesus Christ, superstar. This is Jesus, the Messiah. And somebody like the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 is one with authority, right. heavenly authority, heavenly power. And he says, uh, he has authority. He said, so I'm the guy. Yeah. He's revealing it now. I'm the guy that Daniel was speaking about. And then finally he turns to the paralytic. <laughs> oh, what a long way. I guess those four guys, I guess they're getting really frustrated. <coughs> the group. I would be, wouldn't you? They brought the guy to get healed, and Jesus has got forgiveness in the story. He's got the wet like of Pharisees uh, in the story. He's telling them, I know what you're thinking. And now finally he gets to the paralytic again. He's still flat. He's still on a mat. He hasn't gone anywhere. And maybe some of the debris that his buddies cut when he cut the roof is starting to fall on him a little bit as well. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Get up. Take your mat and go home. Amen. Get up. So you break through instead of go home. Because when you break through, you're home with the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You break through and then you go home. That's right. And you're with the Father. Wow. Those friends are doing a noofy jig up on the roof right now. Boy, the whole roof's gonna come down. <laughs> the whole roof's gonna come down. This guy, he takes up his mat, tucks it under his arm, and then he begins to dance. And then he joins his buddies on the outside, and they're all doing a noofy jig, and maybe a little Irish jig alongside it. And they're all praising the Lord. Even everybody in the house is starting to praise the Lord. Maybe even those wet blanket Pharisees are glorifying God. Because they broke through. Amen. They broke through. Hallelujah. Isn't that what you're longing for in your heart? Amen. A breakthrough with God Almighty. And then at the end, we've never heard or seen anything like this before. Don't you love Mark? To the point, in a few sentences, he's got us going all over the place, but he brings us home. He brings us home. We need a breakthrough, my friends. Amen. We need a breakthrough. Amen. I want God to move so much. Amen. And even if I don't get to see it or hear it or witness it, I pray that the next generation will until Jesus comes again. Let's not be a go-home people. Let's be a breakthrough people. Amen. And then when we break through, then we can go home. That's right. Right? And we need each other to take people through the dangerous times, through the difficult times. We need people to carry each other, not to leave them by the wayside or by the countryside or by the city street dumps or whatever. We need to pick up our end of the pole and carry each other through difficult times. Right. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Amen. Bind us together with love. As the worship